of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host today. And it's been really exciting listening to you guys as you've been engaging with this Making Disciples podcast. And I'm really excited that we're starting to get kind of comments and feedback. I'm loving the feedback, friends. And I've just had a message from Sam. Sam just sent this message saying, I believe Jesus is God. But I'm told he never made that claim. Did Jesus ever claim to be God? What a great question. I think so many of us struggle maybe to know how to make a good, solid argument for this belief that we have that Jesus was God. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't a madman. We believe he was God in flesh. Uh, But when did Jesus actually make that claim himself? And we're going to look at that in this episode to help us gain confidence that Jesus is who he says he is. So friends, welcome to Making Disciples and this podcast, Did Jesus Ever Claim to Be God? So did Jesus ever claim to be God? It's a great question, isn't it? And we're looking for a very clear and simple answer on this. And I want to explore it, looking at it through kind of two lenses. There's two different ways that you can gain or ascertain who somebody is. So if you were to say to me, who are you? I could either say to you, uh, my name is Chris uh, and I'm a dad and I'm married to Becky, a direct claim and a direct direct answer. Or you can look at my life, you can watch what I do, you can maybe go and follow me on Facebook or follow me on Instagram or Twitter or something and follow me. And by following and seeing what I do, uh, you you can see not just what I claim to be true, but you can see what is actually true. Uh, So you have these direct claims and these indirect claims. And the Bible is full of these weird kind of in-betweens where Jesus proves who he is, not by simply saying an answer, but by doing what was expected of him as God. So there's these indirect and direct claims where Jesus Uh, argues uh, for who he is. Now, what we must recognise is that if Jesus was to stand up in Jerusalem and say incredibly boldly at the beginning of his ministry, I am God, creator of the universe, that would have been blasphemy. And blasphemy would have meant stoning to death there on the spot. So Jesus is quite clever and subtle with the ways that he reveals himself uh, to his disciples and to those around who he actually is. So there's direct claims and indirect claims. I find the indirect claims more compelling than the actual direct claims. Why? Uh, I could approach somebody who I think's just mugged someone and said, did you just mug that lady? And he stands there and goes, no, I didn't. Uh, Anybody can make a claim. You know, you could approach somebody and say, "Uh, are you a police officer? And they can respond, yes, I am, uh, without the, kind of, have any proof that that is true. Um, so it'd be very easy to just hear Jesus say, I am God, and simply that be the case, in fact, without proving the point. 
um, it, you need to have some meat on the bones to prove that that fact is true. But you know, let's just think about this for a moment. Uh, did Jesus ever make direct claims about who he was? And in the Gospel of John, we're told that the Jews immediately took up stones uh, to throw at Jesus and stone him because he said this statement. This is a John in eight, John eight fifty eight. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, let's just take it on surface level for a moment. Before Abraham was, I am. This statement seems to be implying that Abraham was the start of the Jewish faith. And Jesus is, is saying, before the Jewish faith even started, I existed. Uh, Jesus is kind of making this claim that he's always been there, this direct claim that he's always existed. Now, I want to explore that phrase, I am, in a second. So we'll unpack that. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus is using this phrase before Abraham existed, before religion started, before the big family of God started, I am, I existed. Uh, so he makes this direct claim that he is not just a human being that existed within a number of 33 years. He's saying before this, way back, I existed. Let's look at another direct claim that Jesus makes. So in John 14, Jesus is having this conversation with Philip and Jesus says this, have I been with you such a long time, Jesus says, without you really knowing me, Philip? The man who has seen me has seen the Father, the Father being God in heaven. And here's Jesus saying, if you have seen me, Jesus, you have seen God in heaven. So here's a direct claim where Jesus is saying, the person that stood in front of you, Philip, now is the same person that's up in heaven now that you're praying to. We one and the same. So Jesus kind of regularly does this when he makes claim that he and the Father are at one. The Father is at work and so am I. Jesus kind of linking himself with the heavenly Father. So there's these direct claims where Jesus claims that he existed previously and he makes his claims that he's the same as the father so these are the direct claims does jesus ever say i am god no that would definitely cause blasphemy but jesus uses these phrases before abraham was i am um, if you've seen me you have seen the father they're the direct claims that jesus makes but actually friends i'm more excited by the indirect claims there were things in the Jewish consciousness 2,000 years ago uh, that if God existed, then this is what God would do. This is what God's behaviour was. So let me just give you a little example of this. In Job chapter 9, verse 8, it says that God alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. In other words, only God could walk on water. Then in Psalm 107, it says this, God stilled the storm to a whisper and hushed the waves to silence. Here you have these two Old Testament uh, phrases, these, these paragraphs that talk about the character and the nature of God. One in Job that says God is the one uh, that, that will walk on the waves of the sea. He's the only one that can do that. Psalm 107, it says that he stills the storm to a whisper and hushed the waves to silence. Only God can do those kind of things. Uh, now, I want you to just fast forward then to Matthew 14, 22 to 33. There's this whole little bit in the Bible uh, where Jesus walks in the water. We're told that Jesus has gone off. He's been uh, praying up in the mountains. The disciples have got in the boat. They've gone into the middle of Lake Galilee. It's in the middle of the night, the fourth watch of the night. And it says that as they look out on the boat, the waves are of come up and there, uh, there's a storm brewing. 
And as they look over the water, they see a ghost. They see this ghost walking towards them. And as this ghost walks towards them, they realise it's not a ghost. It's it's actually Jesus. And uh, Jesus calls Peter to come and walk on water with him. And he he doesn't. He does for a moment, but then he starts to sink. Jesus reaches down and pulls him up. We're told that Jesus then gets in the boat. And at that point, he stills the storm and the the Lake Galilee uh, becomes still. At which point, in verse 33, the disciples turn around and say, truly, you are the son of God. There's this sudden revelation. Now, what is that? Why is that? They suddenly realise and cry out, you are the son of God. It's because they know Job 9 and they know Psalm 107. They know that God alone reaches from the heavens and and treads on the waves of the sea. They know that God alone walks on water. They know Psalm 107. And there was this this kind of brewing prophecy around that uh, you would be able to recognise God when he came because he would do these supernatural things. He'd be able to uh, whisper and hush the waves to silence. So when Jesus comes, he walks on water. When Jesus comes and he stills the storm, both of these Old Testament phrases come together and the disciples suddenly realise, wow, like, this is the Son of God. This is who he is. Now that phrase, Son of God, is interesting because that comes from Daniel. And we see a Son of God as, as in um, he is the child of God. Uh, but therefore he can't be God. But actually it's a, it's a prophetic phrase. It's a phrase that is embodying this idea of uh, the Son of God being the right hand of God, the act of God on earth. If God is up in heaven, then if we ever see God at work on the planet, it must be his right hand at work. So this phrase, son of God, is this phrase of connecting whatever is happening on earth with, with what is whatever is happening in heaven. And it doesn't mean son as in a, in, in a lesser way, uh, but it means the very embodiment of uh, the right hand of of as it was another way of connecting this person that was in front of them with a god that they know in heaven so he's the one that stretches out his his arm and the way he walks in the waves of the sea Uh, he's the one that with a whisper hushes the waves to silence and they cry out truly this is the son of god so this is an indirect claim where jesus does something that proves who he is not with words but by, by action and it's these actions that i think are super important because anyone could claim to be God. I could claim to be God. I'm God. Follow me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Chris, can you can you do anything that would prove that would happen? It's in the proof that we start to realise somebody is different. So here we have have this this example where Jesus is doing the things that only God is capable of. Let's look at another example where Jesus does one of these indirect claims. So within the Jewish faith, there was this belief. Uh, that only the blessed one, only God himself, will be able to forgive sins. So Psalm 32 says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Uh, Here we have a, a, a psalm. That is blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. It's only the Lord, it's only God that is able to forgive sins. What does Jesus say? Jesus sends, says, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. Only God is the person 
that can say your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says your sins are forgiven because he's the only one who's able to do that. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, what's people's response? Anger. They get angry at the fact that, he, how, can he, how can he do that? Only God can forgive sins, they say. Of course. So when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, what is he saying? I am God. I'm not human. And I get to forgive your sins. Uh, just a, another little example in John 18. Got a bunch of passages here that I'm trying to prove from the Bible. This is all coming from the Bible. So John 18 uh, verses 4 to 6 says this. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? So this is at the point where Jesus is about to be arrested, taken off and crucified. Who is it that you want? And they respond, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus says, I am he, Jesus said. Then it says in verse six, and when Jesus said this, I am he, uh, they drew back and fell to the ground. When Jesus says, I am he, there's power in this and they fall to the ground. They literally collapse the ground. Why is that? Who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. I want to explore this phrase for you for a moment. I am. Because it's really important. It's not like Jesus is saying, I am. He's saying, I am. Now, where does this come from? Because there's seven times in the Gospels where Jesus says, I am. Uh, they're called the seven I ams. One of my favourite is, I am the light of the world, which I am not going to explore in this podcast. That is a podcast I'm going to do totally on its own. But when Jesus says, I am, he's referencing something from the Old Testament. Uh, and I'm going to look at a few other examples, but I'm not, I don't want to look at that one today. But these seven I ams, where do they come from? They come from Exodus 3.14. Moses is in the wilderness. We're told that he sees this burning bush. He approaches the burning bush. He takes off his sandals. God tells Moses, Moses, go and set my people free. And Moses says, but how are they going to know? How are they going to believe me? Uh, and he says, how am I going to even explain who sent me? You know, what is your name? Uh, Moses says to God. And in Exodus 3, um, God responds from the burning bush, I am who I am. Actually, what's behind that? Because this bit of the Bible is written in, in Hebrew. You don't need to know loads of Hebrew, but this little bit here is four Hebrew letters. Yod, he, va, he. And some people uh, will say, actually, sound these vowels of yod, he, va, he. They're, 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 they're like God just breathing. Uh, they're like God breathing out. They're, this phrase, yod he uh, is just God saying, I'm pure existence. I'm the God who purely exists. I'm the God who is just here. Uh, I am the one who has always been and always will be. Um, we translate it in the Bible, Lord. And we translate it, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. So if you ever read the Bible and you say capital letters, L-O-R-D, that is where these four Hebrew letters come up. And we translate it as, uh, I am the one who exists, or I am who I am, or simply I am. I am, I purely exist. So when Jesus uses this phrase, I am, so before Abraham, I am, he is referencing and linking himself back to the God of the burning bush. So Jesus doesn't just appear uh, 2,000 years ago. He is clearly referencing himself as connecting with this God 
that exists in the Old Testament. It's not that there's one God in the Old Testament and a new God in the New Testament. There is just God who reveals himself through this name, Yahweh, over the whole of time. And Jesus, God in flesh, comes and he wants to make very clear the God that creates the universe is the same God that's in front of you now. The God that walks on water, the God that turns water into wine. This is the same God that meets Moses at the burning bush. One and the same. Not different, the same. So when Jesus says, I am something, 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 that first part of the sentence is him saying, remember the story of Moses? Yep, that's me. Uh, Remember the story of Abraham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Uh, and, and throughout uh, the Gospels, he does this. So, uh, where is Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus replied, I am he. Yeah, I'm the one in front of you. I'm also the one that was in the burning bush. If you're going to come see, uh, seeking me, yeah, you're going to find me as simply the God who is I am. I want to look um, at, at um, just another little uh, point where Jesus uh, gives a, a kind of a sense of who he is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is one of the seven I am. So I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And when Jesus uses this phrase, think about it, it's only got three words there, way, truth, life. Each of those words connects with an idea that the Jewish people had about God. And I think it's really important that we just pull it apart and see when Jesus uses this phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is very clearly It's like three punches that he's making, one after the other, arguing his corner. So I am the, from Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. So Jesus says, I am the way. And I just want to explain this phrase, the way. You know, Jesus says, I am the way in, in terms of he is the doorway, the one that we get access to God through. That's quite clearly uh, a big picture within this. You know, Jesus says, I am the doorway. I'm the access point uh, to the heavenly realms. But I think there's more than that because in Jewish tradition, they would talk about the Torah as the way, the way of God. Now, what is the Torah? The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible is all that the uh, Jewish people had uh, to start with. Uh, and then they had all of the prophets in there as well. It's the centerpiece of the Old Testament. And so the Torah, this Jewish Hebrew Bible, um, was known as the Torah, but it had become also known as the way. As Christians, you might talk about the good book. If I said to you, I want you to go and buy me a copy of the good book, you would know I'm talking about the Bible. Uh, If I was to say to you, get me a copy of the Gospels, of Gospel, you would know I'm talking about the first four books of the New Testament. In the same way, the Jewish people understood the Torah as the way. This was the way of God. This was how to live out the way of God. So when Jesus says, I am the way, Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the Torah of God in bodily form. And we would say the Bible is a book. It's been breathed by God. But the Jews would go beyond that and say, well, actually, there's something of the Torah that is so sacred. You can't separate Torah from God himself, Yahweh. These two ideas that God and the scriptures are 
somehow the scriptures reveal who God is. And so when Jesus comes and says, I am the way, I am the Torah made flesh. Where does that come from? Well, you think about John chapter one, Jesus was the word made flesh, Torah made flesh. Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've come to fulfill them. Jesus is the one that comes to fulfill the Torah. So Jesus says, I am the way. He's saying I'm the embodiment of the Torah. Then he says, I am the truth. Uh, Exodus 34, six says this, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, filled with gracious love and truth. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock, his works are perfect and all his ways are truthful. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and he is just. Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, was known as the truthful God. He is the one who tells the truth. Other gods lie to convince you to follow them or do their thing. But yet Yahweh, he's the truthful God. Jesus, throughout the New Testament, has this phrase. Uh, you'll see it in a number of the Gospels where Jesus starts a sentence by saying, Amen, Amen. Literally in the, the Greek there, it just means truly, truly, I tell you. Amen, Amen. Truly, truly. Jesus is the truthful one, like the God of the Old Testament, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and filled with gracious love and truth. Yahweh is the God of truth. He's the one true God. So when Jesus says, I am the truth, he's pointing you back to the Old Testament. I'm the same one that you find in the Old Testament who tells the truth. And then when Jesus says, I am the life, uh, the only one within the Jewish worldview, the only one, and I said not just the Jewish worldview, but my worldview as well, that God is the God of life. God created life with nothing but his breath. Only God gives life. The evil one comes to take life. He's the one that thieves life, to steal life. God is the God who brings life. You go right back to the beginning of Genesis. What does the spirit of God do? It breathes into the nostrils of this dust man and dust woman and they become living beings. The spirit of God goes into the valley of dry bones and breathes life over these dry bones. Yahweh was the God of life and life in abundance. He was known as the God of life. Let me just read this to you. Psalm 81 verse 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord. I walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Teach me your ways. I am the way. I walk in your truth. I am the truth. Unite my heart. Actually, that this idea of your heart and your being and, and life, that, that's what that phrase there means in the original Hebrews. You unite my heart or unite my life or don't let me have a divided life. And Jesus says, I am the life. So when he says this phrase, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is saying, I am the God of the Old Testament. I am the God of the Old Testament. I am the God of the Old Testament. I am the one that directs your way. I am the one that directs the truth in your life. And I am the one that gives you life in life in abundance. The Lord, the way, the truth, and the life. So these direct and indirect ways that Jesus makes claim to who he is.
Jesus claimed to be God. Partly because of the direct claims that he makes, but actually more importantly because of the indirect claims, the things that he does that reveals and shows that he is the same God that you find in the Old Testament. These prophecies of the way that God would walk on water or still the storms, then Jesus comes walking on water, stilling storms. Each of these are what I would describe as nudge, nudge, wink, winks to who Jesus really is. If you found a man wearing a Superman suit and you said to him, are you Superman? And he said, yes, back to you. And you simply believed it. You're a fool. Uh, you, you believe Superman is Superman because of his super strength. The fact that he can fly, the fact that he can walk through walls, smash walls down, the, the fact that he can see through walls. It's what he does that proves who he is. And the same is with Jesus. It's not necessarily the words that come from his mouth. It's the activity and the actions of him that show you who he is. So friends, the next time somebody says to you, oh, how do you believe that Jesus is God? He never actually made that claim. Uh, you can say, well, actually he did through direct and indirect ways. He said it clearly and he said it quite unclearly. But actually, when you start seeing this bigger picture, you start to realise, yes, Jesus is who he says he is. Friends, I hope you found that helpful. Sometimes just understanding some of the background and understanding where things come from can help you. There's a lot more and we might spend another episode at another point looking at those. We're definitely going to look at the seven I am's and see how each of those unlock something about who Jesus is and who he claims to be but that's enough for today uh, if you found this help, uh, episode helpful please do subscribe uh, that really helps uh, please do like the episode and please do share it uh, that would be wonderful if you could share it if you have a question like this that you have for yourself leave it in the comments uh, ask the question because that might be the content for a future podcast uh, I love the Sam thank you for your question I hope that has answered your question if you've got a question send it in We'd love to answer your questions as we all grow together as disciples of Jesus. But friends, my name is Chris Rogers, and until next time, grace and peace.